0: Coming to you from Balch Springs, Texas, it's Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. My name is Richard KB5JBV, and I am your host. Thank y'all for downloading us this time around, and uh, it's good to have y'all here. So let's move on over to the Frapper Map and say hello to the folks that signed in this this time around. Uh, number one, we got Rob. Yeah, Rob, K-I-4-O-D-T in Versailles, Kentucky. Uh, Rob says he loves the show. Uh, I hear that quite often, and thank you for the haters out there for not sending me feedback because you'd really knock the wind out of my sails if you told me how bad it really was. Okay, Jim, K-7-J-N-E in Eugene, Oregon. Jim, go inside. Uh, you look awful cold in that picture, and, uh, I know it can get kind of chilly up there in Oregon. In fact, we're, uh, suffering from cold snap down here, uh, uh, by this time of year, it's normally in the 80s and 90s, and, uh, we really haven't even reached the 80s much, uh. Uh, this time this year but in a couple months i'll be grappling because it's hot uh, okay ak4dw david in knoxville kentucky hello dave uh steve ab6 uv in clovis california uh ross wi0w in austin texas uh, austin uh texas yeah um D- ross says he's down there uh from the land of carol uh carol wonderland she we played a little of her music on the last show and uh if you uh ross if you have any connections to Carolyn down there you go ahead and tell her to send some more uh, of that fine music this direction we'll darn sure put it on the podcast uh we like austin austin has a really happening music scene some of the best blues ever come out of austin uh you know, there's a, a lesser known boy from uh up here in Oak Cliff, Texas that did pretty well down there. Uh uh they called him Stevie Ray. But uh yeah, Raul, KG six YFS. Raul, is uh he's in Los Angeles and he's uh he's a fairly new ham, got a got a great start for a uh, amateur radio related uh website going on. Uh Raul make sure to uh, mention us in your blog so all your friends will download us. Joel, KB3QKK in Baltimore, Maryland. Hello, Joel. Uh, N9OGL, Todd in Null, Texas. And we have John, W9NET in Hollidaysburg. I hope I got that right. Pennsylvania. Yeah, I got it wrote down somewhere else here, too. Uh, In Hollidaysburg, Pennsylvania. uh, John's been uh, really active on the VHF and UHF side. And uh, John... uh, Let me know how y'all are coming out with a KLM 2700 out there. I've got one of those myself. It's been put up in storage for quite a while, but I've been thinking about getting it out and getting it back on the air. Okay, uh, John, W1JKS in Franklin, Massachusetts. Hello, John. Robert in Sugar Tree, Tennessee. Lowell in Cleveland, Tennessee. Dr. Dave in Marietta, Georgia. George in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. And we have a couple of uh, listeners signing in from Germany. Uh, good old Deutschland. Uh, burned, and I did not write his whole call sign down. Uh, I'm a bad, bad boy. Let's see if we can get to get town right, though. Lubach, Baden-Wartonsburg, Germany. Oh, heck. He's down in the Crystal Valley, y'all. And Wolf, DC9FO in Offenbach, Hesse, Germany. Okay, uh let me go ahead and say uh we apparently have an internet dead zone uh here in the United States and I was kind of hoping to work all states on the on the frapper map at least uh get the word out via as far as resident frequency the amateur radio podcast to every state in the United States, but uh are lacking so if there are any listeners in New Mexico, West Texas, Kansas, Nebraska, Wyoming, Idaho, North Dakota, Minnesota, Nevada, or Utah. Y'all get in touch with me. And I know there's Hams in Utah. Uh that's uh that's part of preparation out in Utah. But but uh the upside is we have one thousand six hundred and sixty seven members On the Frapper map and still growing, and uh, I'm really happy to happy to see that going, y'all. If y'all haven't stuck a pin in the Frapper map, go on over to uh, kb5jbv.blogspot.com, and uh, I try and keep the Frapper map up towards the top of the page. But if it's rotated on down, go on down to the bottom of the page. There's uh, one down there that's static, and you can uh, get in there that way. But with this many people on the Frapper map. It looks to me like I've developed a cult following. That kind of makes me a cult leader, doesn't it? Okay, well, my word to the cult members is as follows. All cult members, go in the backyard and do a fire sacrifice of some meat to the cult. Once you have done the sacrifice of the uh, sacrificial meat, pop open a cold beer and drink the cold beer while you eat the meat it's that time of year y'all barbecue season already okay so let's move on to donations we are have uh donations lacked for a while but uh we're definitely starting to pick back up and i know a bunch of y'all don't take me seriously when i say uh send us you know send me a dollar if that's all you can afford to send because uh i'll tell you the truth every dollar helps Every single dollar. We actually had someone take me seriously last month and sent me $1 and a penny. And whereas uh, some folks might get upset about that, that's another dollar we can put into server fees and uh, everything else and keep resonant frequency, the amateur radio podcast, coming at you. Okay, uh, first donation is from AB6UV, Steve in Clovis, California. He sent us a donation this month uh david good old dr dave out there in Marietta, georgia he uh sent us one also and w9net john also sent us a donation this month and uh we're glad to see every bit of it because like i said uh that helps keep us going here at resident frequency uh let me talk about donations for a minute. If you want to make a donation to Resident Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast, go on over to the Blogspot page. And right at the top of the page, over on the left-hand side, you'll find a button that says PayPal. That'll take you right on through. You can send, send by e-check. You can send by credit card, whatever. If uh, And send a dollar. You can't buy a soda for a dollar anymore. And that right there, you know, like I said, every penny goes right back into this podcast. If that's not your style, dropping a donation, I understand. There is another way. If you purchase anything at Amazon.com, books, books on tape, CDs, videos, whatever, if you'll go to the blog page and click through from the link that's at the top of the page, uh, any purchase you make at Amazon.com, uh, we will get a percentage of the uh, the actual sale. Now it doesn't cost you any extra; they don't tack it on. Uh, we end up, but we end up getting a percentage of that sale. And on individual sales, it's not a whole lot. But if a bunch of y'all are buying your uh, amateur radio uh, uh, books and materials through Amazon, then it uh, starts to mount up. Okay, so let's get to now that we've done that let's uh move on over to email you know i'm starting to have serious misgivings about uh recording this thing. you know i tried recording this podcast on the on one on the one of the uh windows machine this time around and uh <laughs> it's really starting to get challenging but we shall persevere uh um, email First emails from Tim k 7 e Hey Richard, I want to thank you for your fine podcast. I enjoy the down hominess of it all. I put them on a CD and listen to them as a drive. I am new to amateur radio, and I was wondering if you could answer a question for me. I am trying to figure out when I'm calling CQ. Is it better to stay on one frequency, or and let someone come to me, or is it better? to try one frequency and if no luck move on to another one it's kind of like fishing isn't it some days they're biting like crazy and sometimes they're not keep up the good work and let me know how you do it well let me tell you tim um first of all i i I know you sent two emails and uh y'all have to remember that i only checked the uh Uh, email for the podcast like a couple of times a week because you know I have to find time to sit down log on to Google and that kind of stuff but I will eventually get back to you one way or the other via email on the podcast somehow now as far as uh, CQing is concerned I'm not exactly sure what your goal is uh, but being new ham I think you probably just wanting to uh, make any contacts you can so as far as CQing is concerned I rarely sit on a frequency and call CQ. Uh, after 20 years, I normally just kind of troll up and down the band. If uh, I find somebody I want to talk to, I, I politely uh, grab hold of them. But if you want to see Q, depending on the part of the country you're in, uh, you may find that uh, as far as DX stations and stuff, if you like here in Texas, we've got, all kinds of ham radio operators Uh, we are absolutely full of them and I'm sure the guys in California have a similar problem Uh, sitting there hollering CQ to try and get some DX is not really going to happen because most DX stations uh, one of their first contacts is either going to be Texas or California Uh, another thing I might suggest is there are a lot of good nets out there if you're just trying to uh, uh, get on the radio and operate and uh, get your uh, get yourself up to speed as far as operating is concerned there's a lot of good nets out there that are uh, you can get on to and and talk rag chew and that kind of stuff uh, as far as working states and stuff there are a lot of good nets and you know just all kinds of stuff so uh... yeah i'm going to take uh, it under advisement i'm in your other email i see that it would probably make for a good segment on the podcast and i'm gonna write that down and uh see if i can't pursue putting something like that together Uh, i have a lot of new generals here that uh would be a good resource for something like that so uh now i've run my head a while let's (laughs) move on with the email next email is from rob hello i would like to say keep up the good work i am new to amateur radio i found your podcast on itunes And I have to say, I love it. Uh, I found it very informative. I'm looking to get my first license very soon. But for now, I'm stuck listening uh, to the hams on scanner. And I can't wait to get my feet wet. Well, keep up the good work. Any info you can send my, my way here in Tennessee please feel free to do so. Thanks for everything, Rob. Well, Rob, let me tell you, it's good to hear from you guys. You, see, that let, lets me know that we're achieving uh, one of our primary goals here at Resident Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast, which is uh, Elmering, uh, trying to bring people into the hobby and help them on along. And it's, uh, it's nice to know that uh, the potential hams out there are actually looking for uh, some sort of guidance that direction. One of the things I might suggest is the guys you listen to on the scanner there in Tennessee, uh, try and get with them or listen to them. And when they talk about the local club meeting, uh, make some time to go down there and visit with them at the local club meeting. Here in Mesquite, we've had, uh, had probably a half dozen folks since the first of the year come to a club meeting and uh, ended up hooking up with somebody that was willing to take the time to help them work towards getting their license. So, that's your best resource right now. Plus, online, there's places you can take uh, sample tests like uh, QRZ.com or uh, ham test Online. And last but not least, the AWRL website has a lot of good resources for the uh, potential ham and the ham that is uh, looking to upgrade his license. So, you go ahead and let us know when you get licensed. I'd like to hear about it, Rob. And like I said tap into those local resources That uh, that's going to be your best way to get your license and get on the air next we have uh, Ray and Ray says nice podcast some time ago I signed the Frapper map as Ray from Fairfax Virginia now it's Ray KJ4CNN from Fairfax Virginia Ray is uh, finally got his license your podcast helps a lot towards getting helped a lot towards getting my technician license and on the same day my general ticket. I'm now studying for my extra, which I should have before the end of the summer. I know putting the podcast up is a lot of work, but keep it up. Lots of us are listening. Ray? Thank you. Thank you very much, and congratulations on your new license. Um, once again, it's nice to know that this podcast is accomplishing some of the initial goals, which is to help El- Elmer some of the new guys. I know you guys that have been around for a while, y'all get kind of bored uh, from time to time listening to some of the stuff I put on here, but that something like that right there makes it uh, all worthwhile. And our last piece is not actually an email. It's a comment that was uh, posted over at the blog yeah and this is from w9net here at w9net we really enjoy your podcast thus the donation there can't be too much information about ham radio on the internet so keep up the real good work regards john thank you john and i i it's nice to know that some of the folks that have been around a little while uh uh, appreciate the podcast also and uh it's like I was saying. I got a KLM twenty-seven hundred over here that I've been thinking about pulling out of mothballs and getting going. So uh, if y'all get that thing uh, percolating along, let me know. Now, any of y'all that have questions or comments, y'all don't be afraid to send them. Either post them as a comment over at the uh, blog site, or send me an email at kb5jbv dot at uh, not dot at gmail dot com. Kb5jbv at gmail. Dot com and that right there will uh definitely uh help us uh, <laughs> i'm sorry i just got nagged by one of the females in the house um and uh that will help us uh know what direction we need to go with the chef. Alrighty, uh a couple things here uh, first of all I was cruising around and uh, noticed something. There seems to be a new search engine out there on the internet called CQogle. C-Q-O-O-G-L-E. It is apparently an amateur-related uh, search engine, uh, and it seems to be run by Google. Uh, I took a look at it. It uh, it doesn't seem to have a lot of the stuff that I can find on myself via, via Google, but it appears to be in the works and chugging away so you y'all go over and check out C. Kugel, uh and uh see what you think all righty uh we also have uh, a new intro um uh, intro music to me on the podcast is starting to get a little stale and i it may be because i listen to it 15 or 20 times when i'm recording or uh or uh recording or putting together the podcast uh y'all let me know if we need to probably uh start looking for a new piece of in- intro music if you'd like to go uh, check out some potential music for us i would suggest go over to uh, uh podsafeaudio.com podsafeaudio or Magnatunes. these are uh both places where we can get uh, music that we can run on the podcast, which really doesn't cost us, uh, which won't cost us anything if we go ahead and decide to change. Uh, IOTA Promo Net, y'all can go take a look over there, but I'm not sure if we can uh, use the music from IOTA Promo Net as a reoccurring thing. Uh, that's where I'm getting some of the uh, music for the last few podcasts, and uh, that is a. Site for promoting commercial music, so uh, I'm not sure how they'd feel about uh, me putting something on here as reoccurring. Okay, uh, what else have we got on the list here? We've got, oh, yes, we're coming on that time of year, and I sometimes it's difficult to talk about these kind of things because the shining moments for amateur radio, the times when we really show our stuff sometimes are the some of the worst times for others but we are coming up on that time of year the anniversary of Oklahoma City Oklahoma, the Oklahoma City bombing and whereas it was a terrible terrible tragedy it uh was once again one of the shining moments for amateur radio let me uh, throw a little information on you all for that uh, where in 1995 uh, some gentlemen decided to blow up the federal building in Oklahoma City, for those of y'all who don't know what I'm talking about. And, uh, it ended up, uh, destroying the big chunk of the building, killing a lot of people, and that kind of stuff. However, amateur radio was there. It was, uh, one of those instances where being prepared like we normally are, uh, really paid off. So, on, uh, on April 19th, 1995, uh, 15 minutes after the explosion out front of the Murrah Federal Building, uh, Saturn Volunteers were in the territory of the uh, Saturn Territorial Headquarters. And for those of y'all who don't know what Saturn means, it's Salvation Army Team Emergency Radio Network. That's the amateur radio arm of the Salvation Army. Uh, they were in the headquarters 15 minutes after the explosion. Opened an emergency net which eventually lasted 363 hours. 363 hours, that's a little over two weeks, y'all. And uh, even though it eventually boiled down to an Aries net, uh, they uh, it was uh, up and running in 15 minutes. And you find that these th- kind of things happen, and that's definitely why uh, we should be prepared. You know, it's a very similar scenario with the shuttle recovery, and I'll talk about that a little more in a future show. But the whole point is that amateur radio was there. That was one of our shining moments, and it was a terrible tragedy. But we were out there, and we proved our stuff. Okay. Uh, I've been going for a considerable amount of time here, and I was really on the ball and uh, chugging away. Until uh, this doggone Windows started acting up. And I, I knew I should have recorded this on one of the Linux machines. Because uh, I'm pretty much crash free on one of them at this point. So with that, we're going to go ahead and, uh, and move on to the next segment. Oh yeah, one more thing before I go. Uh, the segment formerly known as Buzzword. If y'all feel that we should keep it, y'all let me know if y'all feel we should let it go and make our main segment longer let me know Uh, I need input from y'all this podcast is not my podcast other than the fact that uh, I sit here and put it all together it's y'all's podcast because I want to make sure that it has content that y'all are interested in so uh, y'all let me know how you feel about the segment formerly known as buzzword and with that uh, we'll go ahead and uh, move on and I'll see y'all after break. you to love me love it On the segment formerly known as Buzzword, uh, let's talk about Storm Spotter. Uh, Storm Spotter. You know, we're trying to keep in the theme of the theme of the episode with this particular buzzword. And I don't normally do a lot of weather-related stuff, especially where uh, Skyward, Gracie's, Aries, uh, National Weather Service, and stuff are concerned, because we do have international listeners, and I really don't like to bore them with the. Uh, some of the mundane stuff we do here in the U.S. However, uh, we are heading towards the peak of storm season here down in the south, and uh, they'll end up peaking up in the Midwest in uh, mid-June. Now, we say storm season because there are times. We have two uh, two seasons here, or two times a year when storms, severe storms are most prevalent, and... Uh, even though we have those, and that's when they happen most often, often we've had tornadoes in January and December, and uh <laughs> we've had severe thunderstorms roll through in the middle of July, and you just can't really tell with Texas weather. But anyway, Skywarn. Skywarn's an organization that was set up for uh amateur radio operators to be able to assist, when, and not just amateur radio operators, but... Uh, primarily amateur radio operators, to assist the National Weather Service, sort of as the eyes on the ground. And the radio operators involved in that are called storm spotters. Now, let's not confuse this with storm chasers. Number one, the National Weather Service does not condone the chasing of storms. Uh, this is on their website. Uh, storm spotters, on the other hand, uh we're there as eyes on the ground, you know, uh, what is the new uh correct term for it, ground truth for the Weather Service people, and that just means another set of eyeballs uh out there where it's going on so we can tell them what we're saying. Uh, for those of you all who are not familiar with that and those of you all who don't have a RACES or ARIES organization in your area, uh your best way to hook up with... Uh, Skywarn is through your local National Weather Service office. Uh, for those of you that have RACES and ARIES organizations in your area, your best uh, that's your point of contact. Now, once you've made contact with these, you're probably going to have to go to spotter training, which is not as uh, big a deal as it may sound like. Uh, spotter training consists of a Skywarn school and uh, they can be as short as uh, an hour or so, or as long as five or six hours. Uh, you can normally knock them out in, uh, in a portion of a day without any problem whatsoever. And for those of you who have signed up with your local organizations and uh, haven't been to training yet, you're running out of time because uh, Skywarn schools normally run from the uh, beginning of the year till about June. So you probably need to get on out there. For those of you who haven't, start by with your point of contact. Uh, your local RACES organization, ARIES organization, or uh, even your local ham club can probably point you in the right direction to getting in contact with uh, the people you need to be in contact with to become a Skywarn spotter. For those of you who don't have a race or area's organization, once again, contact your local National Weather Service office. There's lots of them around the area, and uh, you can look them up on the web or uh, even in that archaic thing that some of us still use called a phone book. Okay, so now you, you've done that and you're out in the field. Once again, storm chasing is something that should be undertaken, undertaken by people who... Uh, have knowledge and experience and that is their specific uh, reason for going out to these storms I know some storm chasers they're all pretty good fellers they know they know more in some cases about uh, weather than some of the guys that are actually telling you what the weather is going to be at the uh, TV station in fact uh one of our Aries groups here or race's groups here locally. The uh every time they have a net they have uh one of the local uh weathermen from one of the T V stations who just so happens to be a ham uh give his prognostication of what the weather's gonna be for the next two weeks. Now on the other hand I have uh or we have here uh in the city that I'm attached to, as far as race ease. Uh, A gentleman who does go out and storm chase. And given the choice between the two, if their opinions differ, I trust the guy here in Mesquite because he knows what's going on with it. And let me tell you, he's got a better track record than this guy that works for uh, uh, Fox 4 here in DFW. So, um... Once again, you're out in the field. You're a storm spotter. Your job is to get to a safe position and report. Now, that's the reason for Skywarn training, because Skywarn training is very good, at, at even at the basic level, at letting you uh, or giving you an idea of how a storm is structured, uh, what's likely to happen in what portions of the storm, uh, features to identify in the storm, and that kind of stuff. Now, that is our job as storm spotters to sp- look at it and report. If it is not our job to get up underneath one close enough where uh, we can feel the uh, <laughs> a r- serious inflow in a storm and that kind of stuff, I've been way closer to them myself over, over the years than I would really want to say. Find you a nice, safe location with good visibility for good ways, and uh, stay the heck out of there. Uh, the last thing you want to find is yourself in the core of a storm with uh, hail big as your fist coming down on your windshield. Now, let me make a let me make one more statement on this. Make sure your vehicle's running good. Make sure that uh, you have the equipment to uh, uh, do you while you're out, and More than anything else, uh, be safe. The following segment is a segment on spotter safety, which has to do with um, a piece of training I did here a while back uh, a couple weeks ago on one of our nets, and we want to make sure that uh, that information gets out. Now, to my international listeners, I do apologize. We will try and find something that is more generally ham-related for the next episode. Uh, but I feel since it is, uh, the height of storm season here, that it's a good idea for us to get some of this information out. For those of you in England, I was taking a look at the BBC website, and they have a pretty extensive area on weather, it appears. And y'all might want to go take a look at that. Uh, here in the United States, go check out your National Weather Service websites, uh, all your local offices will have links to uh, information that is out in the system. Uh, you can also go to www.skywarn.org and take a look around there because there's plenty of good information on that site also. Uh, it appears to be run by uh, Chris, KB9CCR, and uh, been there since 1995 it appears and uh, the current webmaster is Tim K-A-0-M-W-A so there's plenty of good information there, a lot of you guys can get on the web and find the information you need about this stuff and I just thought I'd make a mention of it in this particular buzz uh, segment formerly known as buzzword so we might be able to get things rolling well with that Let me go ahead and uh, and, uh, kick back for a couple minutes, and we'll see you all after the break. some of that music um this time i think we'll talk about the storm spotter safety you know this time of year in, in texas and some of the states located in the central u.s uh, when i say central i mean between the east coast and the west coast uh, severe storms are really really something that we're concerned about as far as emergency communications you know Quite honestly, Oklahoma and Arkansas catch it a lot worse than we do, but we still do have dangerous storms, and in fact, a few days ago here, we had a long-lived storm that lasted about four hours and uh, started off with spinning off a, a tornado down around Breckenridge and was still acting up when it got up to Denison, close to the Oklahoma border, and uh, it was really a mess. Something else is that uh, I had someone tell me that they would really like to have a copy of this particular piece of training that I did on one of the races season nets uh, a couple of weeks back, simply because uh, it is the time of year that we are uh, primarily concerned with storms in this area. And the information that I found was for the training was really informative so i'm going to go this time around i'm going to give you all this piece of training that i i dug up off of the national weather service website up in norman oklahoma i don't normally do segments like this but i intend on uh, passing this segment around uh, out around here locally also so here we go spotter safety your number one priority Accurate and timely spotter reports are critical to your local community and to the National Weather Service. However, your first priority as a storm spotter is to stay safe. Severe storms present a number of hazards, any of which could lead to injury or death if you are not extremely careful. Depending on whether you are spotting from your vehicle or from a fixed location like a home or business there are hazards you need to be aware of and plan for when you're observing storms mobile spotter safety concerns mobile spotters uh, those who observe storms from their vehicle or from a position other than their home or business in many communities spotters have assigned observation locations when spotters are activated they go to their designated spot and observe and report weather conditions. Some mobile spotters stay mobile during the storm and attempt to move along with the storm to maintain a view of the action area and report any changes as the storm progresses. Note, the National Weather Service does not condone, endorse, or recommend storm chasing. It is a dangerous practice and should not be attempted as a mobile spotter there are important safety considerations you should think about the following is a partial list of hazards you may face as a mobile spotter being on the road even on a sunny day with no storms driving a vehicle on a public roadway can be dangerous (laughs) little boy i can tell you especially here in uh, TFW, when you add storms with heavy rain, gusty winds, hail blowing dust, etc., the danger increases dramatically. To stay safe as a mobile spotter, keep these things in mind. Always spot with a partner. This allows the driver to focus on the road while the passenger watches the sky. This also provides an extra set of eyes to keep an eye on rapidly changing situations. Now, Uh, For some of us that have been doing this for a while, uh, back when we didn't get as much lead time as we do nowadays, it was impossible unless your partner lived with you to uh, take a partner. But nowadays we have plenty of lead time, so I'm going to change that, at least in my opinion, to whenever possible spot with a partner because there will be times when you just can't make that happen watch for water on the road. Hydroplaning is a serious threat for drivers and it doesn't take much rain to cause roads to become slick and hazardous. Now because of the composition of uh, the tires that we use they vary greatly. If you get a tire that grabs the road really well it's made of softer rubber so it doesn't last as long. If you buy one that will last you longer then the rubber is not as soft, and it has a tendency to hydroplane more. And I'm adding my own comments. uh, really don't want to just read y'all a list of information. Obey traffic laws. Speeding, parking too close to the edge of the road, and making sudden turns and stops on unfamiliar roads all spell trouble. Watch out for the other guy. Severe storms in the plains often draw a crowd of onlookers, from casual observers to organized groups of storm chasers. Be extra careful when stopping to view a storm, making sure to pull completely off-roadways and keeping an eye out for traffic, even in places where you would never expect to see traffic. Make sure your vehicle is ready for action. A well-maintained vehicle with a full tank of gas is crucial for the mobile spotter's safety and success. You darn sure don't want to be uh, have a storm or bearing down on you and run out of gas. Another consideration is lightning. All thunderstorms produce lightning, and people are killed and injured each year by lightning. Storm spotters may put themselves at risk, from lightning by being in the open being on a hill or high spot for better visibility parking or standing next to metal fences or underneath power lines standing close to camera tripods or using radio equipment attached to antenna well we really can't afford we really can't abo- avoid the last one remember that lightning typically provides no warning the first strike that you see may be the last follow these basic lightning safety guidelines avoid being the tallest object and stay away from other tall objects like trees, power lines, that kind of stuff don't stand close to fences or power lines even though you may not be in the area in an area of frequent lightning lightning can, can travel a considerable distance along these pathways. What that means is a lightning strike on a power line miles away could propagate down the power line and uh, get you anyway. I would assume it's the same way with uh, long runs of fences. We have a lot of long runs of barbed wire fence here in Texas. and I can imagine that uh, lightning does a real good job about propagating down those. As mentioned before, You should not wait for some type of warning, hair standing on end, sounds on AM radio, or other kind of radio equipment, before taking shelter from lightning. The first strike from a storm could be the one that gets you. Treat lightning with respect and stay in a protected area when lightning is in the area. CPR training is an excellent idea for all mobile storm spotters. Remember that a person struck by lightning carries no residual charge, and CPR could save their life. Well, let me clarify that real quick. Just because somebody gets zapped doesn't mean that they're going to be hot. So uh, don't be afraid to administer CPR if you are so trained. Okay, the storm. If a mobile storm spotter is well trained, experienced and knowledgeable about severe storm structure and behavior, they can usually avoid becoming a victim of the storm itself. However, the environment environment in and near a severe storm can change dramatically in a short period of time. And these changes can catch you by surprise. These basic tips can help you stay safe avoid the intense areas of the storm. This seems obvious but each year spotters for one reason or another make decisions that place them in the core of a dangerous storm. Storm chasers call this core punching and it's a very dangerous practice for a number of reasons. First, you may drive into very large hail which can damage your vehicle and injure you. Second, You could drive right into the path of a tornado with very little time to react. And finally, the core of the storm is a dangerous place with low visibility, heavy rain, and violent winds. And let me tell you, back when I first started, I had no problem with punching core. I found myself up close and personal several times. And uh, it wasn't unusual for me to watch one come in, watch it go across, and then drive like crazy down the highway to get out in front of it again. I wouldn't do it now. I got better sense, And I had to replace more than one windshield. Also, you know, uh, this particular section talks about uh, being knowledgeable about storms. Uh, There's one fellow I know that in this last round of storms uh, that long lived storm a few days ago he ended up out uh, going up the wrong highway and had a funnel pass right in front of him less than a half a mile away so you really have to be careful keep your head on a swivel when observing a storm it is easy to lose focus and become fixated on some feature you're watching you know like you're sitting there watching uh, a hail shaft or inflow or something. Anyway, you should maintain aware- awareness of what's going on all around and always be mindful of a surprise event. This points out the importance of spotting with a partner. They can be an extra set of eyes, eyes and ears, to help you stay safe. Always have an escape route in mind. and This is something we press here uh with our local races and areas units. Always have an escape route. Mobile spotters should always plan an emergency escape route that will take them out of harm's way should the storm change direction or otherwise threaten them. Determining that escape route requires a great deal of knowledge about the storm's movement and behavior. A detailed set of current maps of your spotting area is a critical part of a mobile spotters toolbox but be mindful of the fact that roads sometimes change before maps do and they may not reflect reality in every case always have you a couple of ways out don't get yourself hemmed up where you have no place to go never drive into areas where water covers the road this is especially true when you cannot be certain how deep the water is. Many people die each year by driving into flooded areas and drowning in their vehicles. Find another safer route. And in fact, uh, I talked to Gary Woodall uh, over at the Weather Service from time to time, and he tells me that uh, the Weather Service is truly concerned because more people die from flooding and most of it is darwin award grade material <laughs> driving you know some old boy in his 4 before thinks he can get across a uh, a flooded road and ends up upside down and nowhere to go the next one is you know keep your engine running especially when operating uh... close to severe storm you don't want to find out you have a vehicle problem as a violent storm bears down on you you know it doesn't just happen in the movie Uh, when it's time to go if you jump in your car and turn the key that car could not start and it doesn't matter if it's a well maintained vehicle or what Uh, it could just not be happening for you at that particular time and that would be bad Okay. Be cautious at night. Now this one's apparently a no brainer, but you know there's people who don't pay attention. Obvi- obviously it is more dangerous to deal with something you cannot clearly see. Storms at night present special problems for spotters and should be you should be extremely cautious when observing storms after dark. Lord I know that Especially around here, we've got so much light light pollution that uh, it's nighttime, all the lights are on at businesses and stuff. Uh, Even It's even hard to see what's going on with the storm when it's backlit by lightning. You still have a hard time seeing what's going on, so be extra cautious at night. Okay, so let's move on to fixed spotter concerns. When it comes to being safe, storm spotters who observe storms from fixed locations have some advantages, but also some disadvantages as compared to mobile spotters. Fixed spotters may have access to shelter and will not be exposed to the elements and all the hazards that mobile spotters face. However, there are instances when mobile spotters might be able to get out of the path of a dangerous storm while fixed spotters cannot. Fixed spotters should be mindful of all the hazards uh, a severe storm can bring, including lightning, large damaging hail, violent straight-line winds, torrential rains, and tornadoes. And just like everyone, fixed spotters should have a severe weather safety plan wherever they may be. Remember these basic safety guidelines. Tornado safety. Get underground or into a safe room or basement if possible. If none of these are available, get on the lowest floor of a sturdy building. Putting as many walls between you and the outside as possible. Avoid windows, doors, outside walls, Cover your head and body to protect yourself from deadly flying de- debris. Mobile homes and vehicles should be abandoned for more substantial shelter. And let me touch on that real quick. Uh, i got two two things to, to say. I used to uh, work at a lube shop over in uh, southeast Dallas. And that particular area of town did experience, uh, some high winds and that kind of stuff at one point. And we even got to take cover notice from, uh, one of the local radio stations at the time. And where we were lucky was we had a downstairs area where the actual te- tech, uh, drained oil and that kind of stuff. So we all bailed off in there just as quickly as we could till the storm passed. Here in my own home, the way it's designed, uh, most of the rooms face to the outside walls. Luckily, the hallway is centrally located. And at each end of the hallway, there's at least two walls between the hallway and outside. At the far end, there's the same situation. And on either side of the hallway, there are at least two walls between the outside and the uh, hallway. So should I need to take cover in my own home, uh, the hallway is logical spot. Plus it's easy to drag uh, uh, sofa cushions, uh, mattresses off the bed, that kind of stuff for covering up with. We had one guy here in, in Texas during one of the storms back in the 90s that took cover in his bathroom Pulled a mattress over himself while he was in the bathtub. And continued to give spotter reports while a tornado was ripping his house to shreds. So you can protect yourself uh, if you get yourself in the right right place. But we're running long, so let me get on with it. Lightning safety. Stay away from doors and windows. Avoid using electrical appliances and stay away from plumbing fixtures. All of these are pathways for lightning. Stay off the telephone, especially corded phones. and Cordless phones are not as bad, but uh, they still are radio transmitters, transceivers, so you all have to keep that in mind as much as possible. Hail and wind safety. Severe thunderstorms can produce destructive hail and damaging winds, even without a tornado. Follow the tornado safety rules, especially when the storm contains very large hail and violent winds. Okay, that's pretty much the end of uh, that particular uh, bit of information. Uh, the last part about the damaging winds. Uh, this year already we've had uh, straight line downburst clocked at over 90 miles an hour. And we're just now getting into our peak months. Uh... This month is a peak, and next month is a peak, and for the most part, they diminish somewhat after that. But, oh, lucky us, then we start looking at hurricane season. So, y'all remember some of these tips. Uh, Try and keep yourself safe. And one thing I would suggest is go ahead and pass this segment. If you don't pass the whole podcast out, pass this segment out to your races, Aries, and MCOM people at your local level because this piece of information could uh... definitely save a life you know here locally we're real strong on making sure our spotters are safe we won't even shut down a net until we make sure everybody's back home safely now if y'all would like to go grab a, a a printed copy of this you can pick that up at, at www.srh oh, dot noah dot gov dot looks like o-u-n oscar uniform november stroke storm spotting and it ought to be off in that area so i hope that's something y'all can use and with that let's go ahead and move on to the next section Up the stakes, and say you're walking out on me, you think you're tough, you're so tough, well this time girl, I'm going to call you a bluff, too much to take, be on your way girl, you're the queen of spades, you just a double feeling mama, double feeling mama, double feeling mama, Mama. Double mama. You're a double dealing mama, and you're playing dirty tricks on me. Made it to the end of another uh, episode of Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. Boy, howdy, no matter what I do, I can't get this thing down under an hour. Oh, well, uh, if that's the way it's got to be, that's the way it's got to be. We'd like to thank the folks over at IOTA Promo Net for uh, some of the music heard on this uh, episode of Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. We'd also like to folk- thank the folks over at Podsafe Audio, where uh, some of our music comes from also. I'd like to thank all of y'all for uh, downloading us this time around. Stick with us. we got uh, more to come. Um, if you want to uh, go stick a pin in the Frapper map, go on over to kb5jbv at blogspot.com. And uh, stick a pen in the map or leave a comment pertaining to an episode. Uh, you can also make a donation from that page. Just click the PayPal button up in the corner uh, if you feel so inclined. Or uh, click through from the uh, blog page to Amazon.com to uh, check out your favorite Amazon stuff. And that, uh, that helps us out here too. If you have any comments, feedback, suggestions uh that kind of stuff. Go ahead and address those to KB5JBV at gmail.com. KB five JBV at gmail dot com. Okay. Well normally I have something to, to stick on in here at the end of this thing and I, I really uh don't have anything this time around. Uh this is being recorded on Sunday night, Sunday the uh what the heck is it? Sunday the 13th of April and it just so happens that uh, I, during while I was taking a little break I was sitting down watching 60 minutes and there was a story about an amateur radio operator on 60 minutes of all things uh, who uh, is in helping or uh, developing a system for uh, destroying cancer cells using uh, RF energy. Uh, fellow's name is uh, John. 3TUP, I believe is his uh, call sign. Y'all go on over to the ARRL website and uh, check out the article on John. It was posted on April 10th. Okay, with that, um, I need some input from you guys. Uh, Fellas that use Ham Radio Deluxe or uh, some of the other programs out there, we're going to start branching out and doing some segments on uh, different software for uh, amateur radio so some of the new hands can get caught up on that Uh, once again we're always looking for suggestions show ideas and in fact uh, if you guys want to join in that's fine send me an audio file with your uh, your segment Uh, let me know you're interested in uh, co-hosting the segment or something and uh, we'll see about making that happen Uh, conference calling via Skype or uh, Gizmo is not that dull. Anyway, once again, uh, if you have, want to go over to the uh, blog site and stick a pin in the Frapper map, or send a drop a donation, or uh, click through the Amazon.com, go on over to KB5JBV at blogspot.com. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or anything else, send those to KB5JBV at gmail.com. Well, I can see the, uh, the new arrival down the hall uh, staring at me. His name is Rowdy, and he weighs about 4 or 5 pounds, mm, like a little buzzsaw. Imagine piranha wrapped up in a, a school of piranhas. Doggone, I left it up again. Imagine a school of piranhas wrapped up in a fur coat with circular saws on both front paws. And you have uh, 4 to 5 pounds of sheer devil. And he is sure enough that. Anyway, I think that's about all we can do this time around. So until next time, y'all take care of your families in 73. We gotta go.